This is a Village Soundcast Network original production. Hi, it's Hal Johnson. And Joanne McLeod from Body Break. You're listening to Icebreakers, the 2017 Ice Awards podcast, celebrating the best of Atlantic Canadian creativity. We'll be your co-hosts for the Ice Awards this year. But now I'd like to introduce the hosts of this show, Sean King, partner and chief creative officer from Arrivals and Departures, and Tyler McLeod, VP, Client Services at M5. Enjoy the show and listen for us when we'll be guests on Episode 6. Until then, keep fit and have fun. Welcome to Icebreakers, a six-episode podcast series celebrating creativity in Atlantic Canada. We're your hosts, I'm Sean King. And I'm Tyler McLeod, in partnership with the Village Soundcast Network. The 2017 Ice Awards are Thursday, June 8th at the Merritt Harbour Front Hotel. You can get your tickets at icewards.ca. Uh, welcome, and today's guest is Jordan Doucette, Chief Creative Officer of Taxi Advertising and Design in Toronto. And Jordan was one of our um, six judges at the Ice Awards. Uh, judges panel that happened this past weekend. <laughs> so this has happened in the past, so no spoilers, because yeah, uh, people yeah. have not yet gone to the show. Um, so Jordan, thanks for being a guest. We thought we would uh, we would pepper you with a few questions and some some things to talk about, and you could uh, give us your pers- perspective on the world of uh, of advertising as it is now. And um, I wanted to start off with this: the, the very first thing being your your journey in the advertising world began. You began as a copywriter, and now you are the chief creative officer of Taxi. That is no small job. Um, Maybe share a bit about, uh, about what that journey's been like and how you how you were able to pull that off. Okay, amazing. Well, firstly, thanks uh, for having me. I appreciate uh, being included in this little um, podcast. Sure. Um, so yes, I'm now the chief creative officer um, of Taxi, and I'm doing the job in conjunction with Jeff McEachern, um, who's my sort of partner in crime in this. And we're responsible for there's two taxi offices in Toronto as well as the English portion of Montreal and Vancouver. Um, so it's a pretty fun job across the country, and we kind of divide and conquer um, as the job calls for it. Um, I would say I got here, I sort of remember the moment in time where I was actually at Taxi 2, and I loved my job. I had a really great art director partner. We had amazing projects. I think we had um, just started doing work for Mini Cooper, which was coming to Canada. We were launching Kudo as a brand. Um, and I really, really loved it there. And someone from Taxi One called and said, hey, there's an opportunity. Someone is going on maternity leave for you to take a CD position temporarily. And my gut reaction was like, no, I'm good. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> so and Taxi One? Again, and they were like, you should. Taxi One Taxi was going to take was- you from Taxi Two? Yeah. Um, Because they were like, this is a great opportunity for you. And I was like, no, I I love my job. Like, why on earth would I give up the best thing ever? Like, people would literally kill for this job. And they called back and said, no, no, you're thinking about now and you're not thinking about the future, like all of the doors that this might open. And I was like, but the the pending job doesn't seem as great as my current job. (laughs) But I thought about it and I was like, you know what? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes and see what happens because... Um, I know what the future looks like if I stay in my current role, but I don't know what this job is going to bring. So I took the role. It was a year long. It was a creative director job. So it was um, certainly a big step up for me. And within three weeks, I was like, it was so the right decision in the sense that like, I 
was catapulted so far into my career um, that I couldn't have even imagined it. Right. I mean, and then eight months um, into the job, the creative director in Vancouver had resigned. And in my head, I was like, that's the next job I want. <laughs> so when the girl came back from that leave, I was like, do you think I could have the CD job in Vancouver? And they were like, give it a try. Um, and they sent me to Vancouver, which again, a totally different experience. Um, I had gone from being the CD of one piece of business to the CD of an entire office, um, which again, was like a massive jump in my career. So from that moment on, I was like, you know what, when opportunities arise, even though sometimes they're a little fuzzy on like the details or you don't totally know where it's going to go. I was like, say yes, because doors that you didn't even know you wanted to be open, open up for you. And then sometimes even doing things that you're like, you know what, I didn't love that, but you actually learn a ton. So I would say work hard, but say yes to things that maybe initially are a bit scary or a little bit of the unknown. So what was the, um, I mean, I can understand the fear uh, going from, let's say, the copywriter role into a creative director position, but particularly for you, what was, what was the fear that you were battling? Um, actually, happiness. <laughs> I, was, I was afraid. I was like, but I'm happy. Right. So then I was like, why would you change if you're happy? And I realized that um, new opportunities maybe maybe are just as important as like staying where you're at and happy. Like I knew I wanted to sort of climb the corporate ladder. So I knew I was like ambitious. I just, in that moment, I was like, Oh, this is a moment where you seize that ambition and say yes and try something new. So it's, I think it was the fear of the unknown yeah, sure. and feeling really happy. I think it's easier to do things new when you're a little bit unhappy or you've been doing something for maybe a bit too long where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to try something new. For me, I was like, I'm happy and considering something new. Those two things kind of were conflicting in my mind, but yeah. I'm so glad I did. I feel like it was the catalyst to like all of the opportunities I've been given since that moment in time. You know, I've had people come say to me that, that they didn't want to make that leap from, you know, um, if I say the phrase, you know, a doer versus a, uh, a leader kind of thing, what I mean by that is from doing the work to sort of leading and overseeing the work, whether that be in a creative position or a strategic one, whatever the case might be, or a sort of an account side role. Um, were you aware of what the differences might have been what, switching from that copywriter role into something in more of a CD position? I was. I was. I, I always knew that actually my strengths lie in the leadership side versus the creative side. Yeah. That sounds kind of terrible, but no, 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 I totally um, even in my partnerships, um, all of the art director partners that I had, I was always the one who was like bossy and controlling and I liked things organized. <laughs> and I felt like I had that leadership side of my brain and I loved that stuff where a lot of people I work with, like just don't love it. Right. right? They would rather like do anything, but have to deal with the managerial side the organized side, the meeting side of the business. Yeah, yeah. And I always knew I really loved that. But I also see a lot of people who I think feel the pressure to want to elevate. And I always mm. say like, if you're an amazing art director or a designer or a writer, like, and that's your passion, like keep that your passion. Yeah. You're no less successful if you, if you stay an art director and you can have just as much career success, you don't necessarily have to go from doer to leader if that's, not where your heart lies. Right. Yeah, I think it's important to to say that to people uh, somewhat regularly who are considering whether they have a career in this industry because they mm-hmm. they see the progression that the people move through the agency world and 
maybe think it's not for them and, and don't therefore see a career or a long-term um, a long-term career in the business. So it's it's always good to hear that that yeah it's, you can do what you love and keep doing it and that's okay make it may I make a yeah. career of it. I had I, I think I was sharing this story with you, but uh, I, I once had somebody come into me and say that to me. They didn't want to they didn't want a promotion. They didn't want to move into a, an associate creative director role because they just wanted to keep doing the work and not have to worry about all the other things that come with that with that territory. So that's... Uh, but probably more money yeah, also. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> probably. yeah. yeah. So although that... I mean, there's people here, like, in the city who are amazing at what they do and they can probably get any of the money that they want yeah, without yeah. having to, like, take that next step. I think you have to be talented. The one thing I will say is I think you can't remain stagnant yeah. regardless if you want to elevate to the next level. So if you love being an art director. I think you have to figure out how to evolve with the time. Right. right. Um, and so that your like thinking reflects that, but I don't think you necessarily have to want to be a leader if you're passionate about the doing. Sure. Yeah. We're going to be, I guess, talking a lot with the, with the rest of our time about award shows and wanted to maybe before we get into some of the, your approach to, to judging and, and some of those things, maybe just talk about award shows what what's the value of them? Or do you, do you think they're important? And if so, why why are we doing this? Uh, I do believe they're important, but I don't I don't believe in doing work to win awards. I believe in doing work that gets talked about, where ultimately the outcome is it gets awarded because right. it has an mm. impact on the way that people see or feel things. Yeah. Um, for me, actually, I've spent um, this year trying to judge. Um, and get involved in as many things as possible because I find I find it really amazing to sit around with judges who I really respect and hear their perspective on the work. Yeah, um, we we so rarely get to do that outside of our own agency walls, and so for me, it's like a gift to be able to judge a show. So we're always like thanked for coming, and I'm like, no, for me, it's amazing just to hear other people's perspective on ideas that either I love or I don't love. And sometimes it's really surprising how people see work. Um, I think it's amazing for young talent to work really hard and then be recognized in that way amongst their peers. Um, And I think it's nice to like get together at the shows and celebrate our industry. I think there's been like a massive change, you know, production houses have parties all the time. Yeah. There was just a lot more of that and people like felt like there was more of a, an industry and like a buzz. That's right. Yeah. I think the sort of the last few things that we have left are the award shows. And I think it's nice for people to, you know, get together and celebrate the amazing things uh, and work that Canada is doing. Yeah. There's a lot of debate, you know, we find ourselves in the middle of it a lot uh, around the merits of award shows or, you know, doing work to win versus doing work that's right. And then it wins as a result. And, um, you know, a lot of opinions on that. And, and, you know, I've always felt that, um, I've always felt they're important. Award shows are important, but you start with the work first, right? You do, do the work that's right and craft it to the best that you can and make it, uh, make it so people will enjoy it and react to it and have a, have an emotional connection with a piece of work and ultimately it will win something. But there's this often this, um, and I think we've done it to ourselves to be honest, but there's often this idea that you know it's frivolous it's you do spec work and you have dog walkers and you put them in award shows and you get awards and then you think you're great because you did that and i mean uh, i'm certainly guilty in my younger years of doing that to win awards but that's because you're career building you know you're trying to get recognized for what you do best but 
I would say, I I still believe that in legitimate shows, the 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 best work is the work that is creating the most emotional connection and getting the most reaction. And and I also think that in a lot of cases that work has been incredibly effective. Um, what's your take? I mean, you you're about to go judge a can, correct? Yes. And you've just judged ICE, and you've been on multiple panels, so both nationally, internationally, and, and regionally. What's your take on that whole dog walker thing or, or work that matters and that kind of thing? Let's just stir that up. Okay. Um, <laughs> I have a lot of opinions on that. So, I, like I said, I don't believe in doing work to win awards, whether that's like dog walker or for real clients. Yeah. I believe that we should be doing, we should be solving our clients' business problems. And if we do that well, people will talk about it. It will be effective. And ultimately it will win awards. Like if I look at my favorite campaigns, I think those weren't created just to win awards. Right. That said, sometimes the business is hard and clients are hard and research is hard and we're all creative beings. And the reason that we're here is because we love creativity and sometimes it's fun to be like, hey, let's do an ad for that coffee shop down the street. And for me, it's not, it's not just because we want it to win an award because it's like, it's fun and we flex our creative muscle and the clients may not have as many opinions about the work and we get to make something. Yeah. So when I see that, I value it in the sense that somebody wanted to use their creativity to make mm. something and they did. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's still cool. So I don't love fake staff. So there's the whole controversy with a lot of like things that people are like that never happened. That to me is quite different than doing something for a local tattoo shop. It certainly isn't the same as doing something for a Pfizer, but at the same time, like if you're passionate and you go out and you get that client and you make some work and you put it out in the world and you love it and it fuels your creativity and you're, and you re-energized your, your love for the industry, I say, go for it. Yeah. You can almost argue that it, it it's it's kind of in some ways crafting the skill you're going to need when it gets bigger, you, you know, like that, yeah. that, that drive and the, thinking about the, like, eventually you're going to do that on probably some clients that are going to have a lot more say, but, but that experience of doing it and the drive that you had to get it done is going to matter. Yes. Yeah, so actually last year we, um, we do a lot of work for Covenant House, which is a yep. um, homeless shelter for youth. And we had the stats this may not be totally accurate, but I think it was like two thirds of homeless youth are gay. Right. And we talked a lot about that all of the time. It would come up at lunch and we were just chatting or we were having a beer and it's like, holy smokes, like there must be an idea in there. And so we connected with a shelter specifically for, um, for um, gay youth who need all kinds of support. And they said, yes, they, they predominantly get kicked out of their homes for being gay. And then they come to the shelter and then they have like typical homeless issues, like they don't have enough clothes or food. So we went to Gay Pride last year and we set up a, um, basically like a, a strip um, bar where you could like get up on stage, take off your clothes and all of the clothes that um, people gave or donated to this shelter. Wow. It was like the most fun mm -hmm. and we just made it up. We funded it, taxi funded it um, to make it happen. And it was a massive success. We had like three solid days of people getting up and stripping. I think we called it the hottest clothing drive in the world. Oh, wow. And yeah. initially we thought we would do it for awards. And to be honest, we don't care if it doesn't win anything ever. The way that it brought the agency together 
around a passion point. Everyone cared about that statistic around a charity that we all really, really loved and an, an idea that was just so fun. So we, we worked the booth, we built the booth <laughs> and we paid for as much of it as we could. And then we relied on so many of our amazing vendors to help us. But yeah. that I guess technically was a dog walker, but I can't tell you how it brought the agency together. It yeah. gave us like a moment in time to kind of, you know, park the really hard stuff that happens in every agency and just do something fun for ourselves. And so that to me, like, is really actually quite powerful. And I encourage like everyone to do that, whether you want to call that dog walker or not. Yeah. To me, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I, I actually like, there's a, the other purpose that it serves, you know, you hear this a lot of times if you're assigned to a client and all you ever work on is that client, then sometimes just doing it because you just want to exercise a different muscle for a while is enough of a reason, I would think. I mean, yeah, totally. And you know what? Actually, it's kind of amazing. This year we're doing, um, some stuff at Pride with a very big client that we have. And actually now we have so much knowledge about how things work, how people behave there. Oh yeah. Um, things that we found effective, things we wish we had done differently. Um, Pride actually called us after and said like, that was amazing. Can we get it on the main stage next year? So I don't know, again, going back to like my earlier point, like there's always things that you learn when you try anything new um, and it's going to pay off for our existing clients. And we had a ton of fun doing it. Oh, that's awesome. I, uh, I want to go back to judging for a second, and I, I, I've never been a judge. Um, Jordan, you've judged lots of things. Sean, you've judged some things. I'm, I'm so curious about the dynamic in the room um, when there's those talented people sitting around talking about the work. Jordan, do you find is there a do you find you consistently bring a consistent point of view to the judging? Like, does everyone sort of sort of adopt a role in the room in the in the dynamic um, and sort of advocate along a certain line, or is it kind of you find yourself with different point of view on on every piece of work at every different show? it's different I think it depends on the show like you're going to get a sort of different crop of work depending on the show that it is and the people that you're surrounded by the one consistent thing um, is I find people come wanting the work to be successful not the other way around right yeah I think people are actually like hoping that things do well especially in Canada we're happy when as a country, we have work that we're proud of that we hope will be well on the international stage. And so I feel like people come wanting success collectively. Um, and I'm always impressed by that. And I, it actually makes judging that much more fun. Yeah. 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 It's cool. You know, it, the thing that I love, you sort of mentioned it earlier, is you, you go into those things, at least I do anyway, kind of ready. You know, I'm ready to sort of voice my opinion in a room of people that I may or may not look up to, or I may be intimidated by, or people that I'm about to meet for the first time. And, and the thing that I always come away with, and I love it so much, is there is, there's so many kind of like similar perspectives on things. And you, you, when you get to talk to people and you learn that they're going through the same stuff, they're dealing with the same challenges, they can appreciate the same level of craft in a piece of work. It just, it's, it's kind of encouraging. I think for me, like you walk away going, yeah, okay. Like we're not off base here. Like, you know, we know what's going on and you always, you know, you always meet great people. S speaking of yeah, which, totally agree. Um, Jordan, I wanted to dig in on this, this final topic here and, and this, you know, this is a trend that we've seen happening in award shows kind of across the globe now, um, it seems. And this is a, this is this mandatory 50-50 female-male split of jury members. Um, I, I can certainly appreciate that that's happening and, it, and it's neat to see that it's an intentional thing that people are trying to do. So it does make me wonder, though, what that's been like for you as someone who's built an incredibly successful career, you know, at a number of agencies, a female copywriter coming up in the business. Has that been something that you've 
uh, had to pay attention to or felt worked either against or for you in any scenario? Um, I think I have been deliberately oblivious to it. Yeah. I think like the things that I've experienced have not stopped me from going after what I want. Right. And I think I've learned along the way that like I can only, I can only control myself and I can only decide for myself the value that I bring. Yeah. And I think sometimes you can get lost in letting other people define that for you. Um, so it's not to say that like it, it hasn't happened or it hasn't felt like a negative thing sometimes and a positive thing other times. But I think it's like mentally, I'm just like, just keep going. Yeah. Like, what is it that you want and how are you going to get there? Because I feel like anything other than that means they win. Right. So well when you get knocked yeah. down, you just keep going just like anyone else, just as yeah. I'm sure that you do yeah. on any given day. And it's sort of been my thing. And it's like, you know what? In the beginning, when I first started out, I had no idea it was even a thing. Yeah. And then by the time I kind of felt like, oh yeah, it kind of is a thing. I don't see a lot of female leaders. Um, but then suddenly I felt like I was surrounded by a lot of people who would advocate on my behalf, male and female. And I was like, those are the people who are going to help me. And then there's the people who aren't. And then here's how I'm going to help myself. And that's by knowing my value, controlling what I can control. And then the rest is like, just go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like that's been an approach that's worked really well for you. Congratulations. Thank uh, you. Yeah. No, very, very. Um, you know what? Uh, I think when you surround yourself with good people in this business, you'll do better. Um, and um, it's not always the case, but if you can do that, you're on the right track. So Jordan, look, um, congratulations to you and all the success. And thanks again for being one of our judges at ICE this year. It was a pleasure to hang out. And um, thanks for being a, a guest on the show. It's been great to talk to you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, guys. All right. Thank you. See you later. Thanks for listening. This was Icebreakers, and today's guest was Jordan Doucette, Chief Creative Officer of Taxi in Toronto. Icebreakers is a six-episode podcast series celebrating creativity in Atlantic Canada. Once again, I'm Sean King. And I'm Tyler McLeod, in partnership with the Village Soundcast Network. Please listen again in episode four, when we talk to the Mayor of Halifax, Mike Savage. <laughs>